0: Welcome to Nighttime. I'm Dave Wager, your host here in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolet Bible Institute. Nighttime is a half hour where we get to talk in a very calm way about issues that are going on in the world around us from a biblical worldview. The Bible is the bottom line for everything that's right and good. And you should know the Bible. You should read it through every year. You should know what it says. Likewise, I should. And when we evaluate life, we evaluate it on the truth, not on somebody's interpretation of the truth. So these nighttime broadcasts are just me talking about something that I'm thinking about. But again, I'm Dave. I'm not God. So I encourage you always to go back to the Word of God and see what it says. And let God be the one that convicts you, not Dave. In fact, I tell young people all the time that they need to be careful not to make decisions out of guilt or manipulation, but because they're right to make. So often we make decisions based on guilt, propaganda, fear of missing out, or whatever it might be, and that's not a very good reason to make a decision. Tonight I want to talk about How we can trust the Lord to be the strength of our life. I don't know how far I'll get on that because in order to trust God, you need to know him. And I would suggest right from the beginning that if you're struggling trusting God, it's because you really don't know him. That puts all the responsibility back on you because God has already revealed himself to us. We can see through creation, we can see through his involvement with mankind throughout history, who he is, and we could trust him. And those who know him act like they know him, and those who don't know him, they live their life in fear, their fear they're going to miss out in fear of disaster and fear of not knowing what the future is going to hold. Psalm 27:1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Let me repeat that verse, Psalm 27, 1. The Lord is the light of my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? If I'm following God, why would I fear anybody or anything if I'm following him? If I'm following my own desires, I can understand that because I'm hoping something works out and that I've got it right. But God always has it right. So if I'm actually following God, if I'm listening to who he is and following him, who should I fear? Nobody. I certainly shouldn't fear Satan. He can't do anything to me unless my Heavenly Father allows him to. I know that God's going to win in the end. I certainly don't need to fear man because man is a creation of God and God controls man and I understand that. He can stop evil from happening. He can allow evil to happen because of my choices or your choices. I get it. But as I follow God and listen to him, He becomes my light and my salvation. And if God is my light, if He is the one showing me where to go in life and I'm listening to Him, which is something I can do, then who shall I fear? Charles Spurgeon said of this, Of whom shall I be afraid? Our life derives all its strength from God. We cannot be weakened by the plans of the enemy. The bold question looks into the future as well as the present. If God be for us, who can be against us either now or in time to come? John 1, 1 1-5 says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was nothing made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You will never see darkness overcome light. It doesn't happen. The only way for darkness to succeed is by turning light off. So people who don't know God, they don't know his ways, they don't know his word, there's no way for them to travel without bumping into things. And when you bump into things, it's most inconvenient. It could be something that just bothers you a little. It could hurt you in a tremendous way. Up here in the north woods of Wisconsin, if we have a power outage and we don't have any lights on in the house, it can be very dark, especially in the middle of the night. There have been numerous times where I have walked down the hall in our house and for some reason I run into a door that's halfway open. You see, I left the door halfway open because normally there's a nightlight on and I can see the hallway and I know if a door is open or not. And I didn't shut it. So if I walk down the hall and it is dark like that, I usually have to walk very cautiously and I put my hands in front of me in case I'm going to run into something. God tells us that the Lord is my light and my salvation. Those who have light, they don't stumble. Oh, it doesn't mean we're not attacked and it doesn't mean that we're not uh, prey of the enemy. It means we don't stumble because we can see where we're going. What we do is intentional. We make a plan and we work the plan and the plan is in light of the light that we have. The light is God's word. It's, it's the Holy Spirit revealing truth to us. So we can make plans and go forward the way that we should. You see, God is light and, and he shines in the darkness which means that we contrast those who don't have the light. Those who are living apart from God, those who are struggling in their lives and not living as they should, they are the ones that need to see the light in our lives. All I have to do is listen to God and it becomes a life full of light. It's the light of God that is the instructions that he gives me so I don't stumble. If I'm stumbling through life like everybody else, then I don't have any answers for anybody. You and I are going to go through the same trials and tribulations as everybody else in the world. The difference is we have a light that can guide us through those times. So you're going to watch people get sick. You're going to watch people die. You're going to be participating in things in this world that are less than desirable. Because this is the world in which we live. It's a sinful world where we're separated from everything that's good because of sin. And that sin has caused a major problem. Those of us that go to the scriptures and read them and learn the truth, we realize that the truth sets us free from all that sin and pain so that we don't any longer have to bow down to it. However, the sin is not going to stop causing problems in the world. So the light comes into the world and it contrasts the darkness of sin. The other day I was at Silver Birch Ranch and I was noticing that we hadn't seen the sun in several days. And as I look out the studio window now, there is no sun and it's midday. The clouds are thick. The rain has been steady. And I thought, who in the world enjoys darkness? Where's the sun? Well, those who like darkness like their deeds hidden. They like to manipulate rather than live. And it's easier to do that when you can't see clearly. When I'm cleaning a room, I like to turn a lot of lights on. But the more lights I turn on, the more garbage I see in the room. If I can just leave the lights down, I wouldn't have to clean as much because I would think I was done, but I'm not. You see, I remember once going into a restaurant with a friend, and we were sitting there, and the restaurant was very dimly lit, and he kind of laughed because he dropped something on the floor and picked it up, and he said, hey, look at the carpet, and I looked over at the carpet, and it was, it was kind of a dark brown carpet, and I said, yeah. And he goes, no, look look at the color of the carpet under the table and look at the color of the carpet over there where we walked. And I did. And under the table, the carpet was bright red. And where we walked, it was brown. Same carpet. When we put a light on it under the table, which normally that doesn't happen, we recognized the difference in color. But it took light. It took my friend dropping an object over there and having to turn on a light to see where he dropped it and pick it up to see the difference. That's what God's Word does for us. It, it shines on what's right and wrong, and we can acknowledge it. Those who don't have the Bible in their life, those who don't have God's Word in their life, they can't do that. So they're constantly living in a dirty place, but they don't recognize it. They're constantly running into things, but they just don't recognize they're running into things because they think everybody's running into them because that's the way life is. Truth is, the light can guide us so that we don't run into things. It can show us where the dirt is, what needs to be cleaned up, and that's a good thing. There's a consistent message throughout Scripture. In Hebrews 13:6, we're told so that we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. Romans 8.31 What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Psalm 118.6 The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? If we are listening to God... We don't need to fear the struggles and pains that everyone else is going to go through that isn't listening to God. Once again it doesn't mean that we won't experience cancer or pain or or imprisonment because of doing what's right or hatred or all the byproducts of what's going on with a world that's captivated by sin. It it doesn't mean we're not going to be a part of that disastrous result of sin. What it means, though, is that we don't have to fear because we know in the end we win this thing if we just listen to God. And God has the capability of walking us through these disasters. He has the ability to take care of us no matter what is going on in the world around us. And we need to rest in the fact that he does love us, that he does want us to be a part of his family. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me, the author of Hebrews says in the 13th chapter, the 6th verse. Psalm 27, 1, which puts it in context of the very first verse that I read, says this. It's a Psalm of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamped against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I have asked of the Lord For false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. And let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. When's the last time someone told you to wait and be strong? When we trust in God, we will never be disappointed. In the end, when we trust in God, he is faithful and he's just. He will deliver because he is the only one that can and he is worthy of our praise and our trust and our faith. There's nobody else that is. Whatever you're going through today, whatever it might be, whatever the trial is, you need to understand that God loves you and has a plan for it. He's meeting you where you're at today, but he's also thinking about where you should be because he's already ahead of you in this one. The theme of finding peace and light is evident in this passage. C.S. Robinson said in the Biblical Illustrator, the conditions of finding this peace or finding this light is, first, looking at the Lord instead of focusing on ourselves, when you look to the Lord, you have hope. when you look to yourself, you're looking to what you can bring to the table, what you can do to to solve the problem without God. you're looking at something very limited rather than something unlimited. If we're going to be people who find the light that God wants us to find and travel in that we need to look to the Lord and not focus on ourselves. We are the ones that are limiting. God is unlimited. And we need to remember he's eternal, so he's been in the past. He's with us in the present. And he's already ahead of us in the future. There is nothing that happens to those that are in his family that gets beyond what God sees and can control. It's interesting to think about what God is doing in the lives of those around us through our lives. He knows what the suffering in our life will yield as we yield to him. And it could yield something very good. He also knows exactly how much we can take in the suffering that comes our way. And being a loving father, he's not going to ever put us in a position where we cannot take what he gives to us or what he allows to happen to us. He knows our frame. He understands how we're made. He knows what we do well. He understands everything about us. And he's never going to put us in a position where we cannot be successful. We can. Now, you might say, I don't know. I don't feel very successful in this situation or that situation or whatever it might be. And and that may be true. But then again, what is success? It's living a life the way that God intended us to live and to show people around us who he is. It's to live this life with eternity in mind and to live according to the way that God made us. That's what we do. He never promised that we wouldn't suffer, but he always has promised that he won't leave us during the suffering. And that's hugely different. The second thing that C.S. Robinson says is the next condition of spiritual response is found in avoiding the unwise counselors. We must learn to trust our trust and not keep rooting it up. No plant grows which is continually being rooted up. We need to trust our trust. We need to understand that God is God and he's worthy of our trust And trust in the fact that he is God and that he's got a plan. It would be silly of me to plant a plant and have its roots take hold and then keep digging around it to make sure the roots are still there so that it can continue to take hold. We need to let the roots do the job. The roots will take care of that plant. It'll hold it up. It'll take the nourishment in and put it where it belongs. And we need to trust in the roots. We don't need to continually root the plant up to make sure it's healthy. Likewise, we need to respond to God and not the unwise counselors that are around us that cast doubt into our hearts. When you cast doubt into your heart, you're, you're going back and looking at what you know to be true, but now you wonder if it's true because somebody who doesn't even know God is making you doubt it. Why would we listen to somebody that doesn't know God tell us about who God is and his ways when they've spent no time in his word and they've spent no time at his feet and they've spent no time trying to even understand who God is and responding to him? Yet we would allow them to get into our life and give us counsel on something. Their counsel is not worth listening to unless it has to do with how you vacuum a floor or something like that. But as far as understanding life, investing life, putting our life in a place where it actually matters, then we shouldn't listen to unwise counselors. We need to listen to those who know God and know how to trust God and have their trust in God. We, we don't keep looking at things that are already settled. I should never in my life be wondering if God has a plan in this. He does have a plan. He always has a plan. He's never caught off guard, and I need to live in that context. Once again, when somebody comes to me and they're in a bad way because something happened to a relative or a friend, I always encourage them to think about what they know and not what they feel at that particular moment. You have to trust what you know and not go root it back up again. There are things that are absolute, absolute. For example, there is a God, I'm not him, I'm Dave. And there are many times in my life where I pray to God and tell him, I'm Dave, you're God. What I've just admitted to him is we are totally different and I understand that I'm not going to go back and, and try and uproot things in my life to make it so that I understand what I don't understand. When I tell God that I'm Dave and he's God, I'm admitting to the fact that there are things that he is so far superior on that I will never understand those things. I also understand that he's faithful. I may not be, but he is. And I begin to to live my life in the context of the truth that I know rather than what I feel. The third thing that C.S. Robinson says is we understand the difference between academic faith. And living in faith. Indeed, we can have academic faith. Yes, we can come and say there is a God, He created the universe. Those are all good things, and you could believe that. But I would suggest that Satan believes that too. There are things that, that the devil does believe because he knows it to be true, but he's in a mess. And it's because there is a difference between academic faith and living in faith. If God actually created the universe, he created me, and he loves me, and he sent his son down to this earth to die on the cross for me, then I need to live in the context of that tremendous love. See, that's my choice. It's not just having the academic understanding that God loves me, and it's not just having the academic understanding that Jesus died for my sins. It's actually having a living faith in the fact that God loves me. Those who know God and those who know that God loves them, they act as if God loves them. We need to understand the difference between academic faith and faith and living in faith. The fourth thing that C.S. Robinson says is we are to cultivate confidence in the slowly reached answers to our prayers for divine grace. Cultivate confidence. That's an interesting phrase that's used that I had to think about. What does it mean to cultivate anything? It's time. See, here's what you understand, that in time, God will prove that he's God. I do not need to understand everything right now. I can understand things as they are revealed to me, and, and the thing that I do understand is that God's got a plan that he loves, that he can't be beat. That Satan is a liar. I can go through the truth that I know that sets me free, but I need to go through that in my mind, and as I go through the truth in my mind that is there because I've spent time in the scriptures, I'm cultivating confidence in who God is, and I need to cultivate confidence. I don't need to listen to the naysayers, to those who, who don't know God speak of God. The fifth thing that C.S. Robinson says about this passage is we must distinguish between emotions and religious states. The one may vary, the other is fixed. Faith is a very different thing from the result of faith, and confidence of faith is even a different thing from faith itself. And yet the safety of the soul depends on faith and on nothing else. We are justified by faith not by joy, or peace, or love, or hope, or zeal. These last are the results of faith, generally, and will depend largely upon the temperament and education. Let me read that last sentence again. We are justified by faith, not by joy, or peace, or love, or hope, or zeal. No one that's listening will ever be justified because of joy, peace, love, hope, or zeal. These last are results of faith, generally, and will depend largely upon the temperament and education of the individual. See, it's faith that allows us to live a life the way we're meant to live. It isn't joy. Joy is a byproduct of it. You can't earn a byproduct. Byproducts come because you absorb the right things. Think of an apple tree. It has apples that grow on it every single year because it absorbs the right stuff. If it absorbs all the wrong stuff, there are no apples. It doesn't push the apples out. It just absorbs the right stuff. And because it absorbs the right stuff, there's apples that grow. So it absorbs the muck and it absorbs the carbon dioxide and and it absorbs the sunlight and it combines all in the leaf and there's photosynthesis that takes place. And because it absorbs all the right stuff, it can indeed produce apples. As I absorb the right stuff, I gain faith in what God has said and I gain faith in God himself because I absorb what's right. And when I absorb what's right, I begin to live in the context of the truth, and I get free. The sixth thing that C.S. Robinson says, and the final that he says is, this unbroken courage is the condition of rest. David said that he came near to fainting, and should have done it, only be kept on believing to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. We must not think everything is lost when we happen to have become beclouded. Let me read that last sentence again. We must not think everything is lost when we happen to have become beclouded. We are people who have feelings and emotions and all kinds of different details that hit us every single day. None of those details, none of those feelings, none of those emotions negate the fact that God loves us and he has a plan for the future. We need to live in the context of what's true, not just what we feel, not just what we see, not, not the hopelessness that's presented to us by our government, by our world, by the weather sometimes, and the situations of life that are less than joyful. We need to understand that God is worthy of our trust, and the only way to do that is to spend time with him, to get in his word, to know who he is. I once again would encourage you to read the Bible through every year, to spend time every day in his word, thinking about what he says and thinking about how to apply what he says. Allowing yourself to gather the truth in your mind and understand that this truth will yield tremendous benefits down the road and that it sets you free from all the lies that Satan is trying to manipulate into your life. Lies always bring darkness and despair and anger and upsetness. Truth sets you free. It doesn't necessarily make you feel better, but it sets you free so that you can live in the context of reality. Well, there's our music signaling it's time for us to part for tonight. Thank you for taking the time to share this last half hour with me. Be praying for Silver Birch Ranch, Nicolet Bible Institute, and the ministries that are associated with us as we look to God to use this place, these podcasts, the Nicolet Bible Institute, the Northwoods Retreat, the Foster Family Connect programs to make a difference in the world in which we live, to allow people to see the light and live in the context of it. Good night for now.